So we've been talking about the spiritual gifts. We've, uh, over the last several months, talked about uh, apostleship, prophecy, pastor, teacher. Tonight we come to the wonderful moment where we talk about evangelism. And uh, last week I was with some friends down at Whitewoods, the restaurant over there on the corner, and uh, there's this guy that I've seen downtown a lot, and at first I didn't know why I was seeing him all the time downtown. He's like kind of dressed up, pretty snazzy, kind of looks like he's got everything together. And I'd see him walking around, and then half the time I'd see him like walking down the sidewalk with a herd of people following him. And I was like, what's the story with that guy? And uh, so finally, I just kind of like saw what was going on and eventually like kind of heard him. He's like, hey, what y'all doing tonight? And people are like, I don't know. We're just like downtown. He's like, y'all want to get into the club for free? And they're like, sure, I guess. And then so he'd like turn around and start walking down the sidewalk. These people follow him down to Tier. He's like the Tier evangelist. And so last week when we were sitting there at Whitewood, I was like, man, this guy's like one of the best evangelists downtown. Like he's far more effective than the people shouting on the street corner right? Like people are just like walking by that, those, those guys like this. And, and people are like saying to this guy, yeah, like I'll follow you wherever you're going. I'm not sure where you're going, but I'll just keep walking. He leaves them up to tear. He's like, yo, these people are with me. And they're like, come on in. So anyway, you know, he's a tear evangelist. God has called us to, to some big things, um, some things potentially and hopefully bigger than tear nightclub. Um, but we're going to talk tonight about what it looks like to be an evangelist. This guy um, who kind of goes out and he encounters people and he talks to them about what he's got going on. And they're saying, all right, like I'm buying into that. So for us, what does it mean for us to step into the gift of evangelism? As we look at the idea of evangelism tonight, I want to kind of look at this idea. Evangelism is a demonstration of heaven leading to a saving and transforming encounter with God. And I think a lot of times we just kind of think of uh, evangelism in the framework of like, this is the thing that I think, and I'm going out and I'm trying to get people to agree with me, and I'm trying to get people to believe what I believe. But I think as we look at the New Testament model of what evangelism is, we see a much bigger reality where God is inviting people to himself through his people who are already following him. And that's oftentimes accompanied by a demonstration of the bigness of the realities of heaven. And if you and I go into evangelism with the framework of this is my objective to get people to agree with me because what I believe is right and what they believe is wrong and my primary objective is to change someone's mind, then we miss the whole boat. Because evangelism is a huge reality that you and I have been invited by God to step into relationship with other people and be God's conduit through whom he unleashes heaven. And so that when people have an encounter with evangelism, they have a supernatural encounter with the realities of heaven. And tonight I want us to step into the bigness of what that looks like. Romans chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And so we see this big reality in practice. The good news of the gospel of God is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It's not an impotent word. 
It is not useless, and it's not simply the utterance of sound. It is the fullness of the power of God and his goodness unleashed to us through the person of Jesus. It's the reality that God desires to reconcile all of humanity and all of creation back to himself through the work of Christ. The good news of the gospel of Christ isn't just words, and it's certainly not a formula. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. This afternoon, we had um, the second of our city beautification projects. We had one last year where we talked about thankfulness, and we went out and we talked to people about what they were thankful about. This afternoon, we had one called Letters of Love. And so we gathered together at the park, and we had a picnic, and then we had people writing out um, letters of encouragement, recognizing the power of words and the ability to speak truth into people's lives. And so we all got together, and we wrote, uh, we wrote these letters of love, and then we rolled them up like little scrolls and tied things around them, and we went out and we handed them out. So when it was time to come to the handout time, I just took these scrolls, and I put one on each finger, and I went and I said, hey, people are writing letters. Do you want one? And as I'm walking through the farmer's market at Lake Eola this afternoon, there's thousands of people around and I recognize that like my fingers are shaking. Like I can see the scrolls on the end of my fingers like waddling as I shake in nervousness because for me it is not second nature to walk up to strangers and engage them in weird things. Like I have a lot of friends who are totally fine with doing weird stuff. I get pretty self-conscious about those kinds of things. I like to like have at least seem like I've got things together. And those are issues that I'm working on on my own, you know, whatever. But I'm walking around and I'm just recognizing like this is nerve wracking for me to just walk up to people. Meanwhile, Diana Portillo, who puts all of our city beautification projects together, she's like walking all over this green space where we are and she's going up to strangers and she's like, hey, we're doing this thing and we're having people write out letters of encouragement. I'd love for you to take one of these pieces of paper and a marker and write stuff out. Here, here's some string to tie it all together. And when you're done, bring it over here in the basket and she's talking to them about their life and she's inviting them to partake in what we're doing. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I have no idea how she has the ability to step out and do that. But the reality is there are so many people who are really gifted with the ability to just go up and engage people. And those are the kinds of people who are ripe for evangelism. But this is also true. Just because those things make me nervous and they don't come second nature to me doesn't mean I have an out. All of us, while some of us may have this innate gift as evangelists, all of us are called to the work of evangelism. As we step into relationship with Jesus, it's not simply, hey, the evangelists go out and evangelize. No, the evangelists equip us and demonstrate for the rest of us what it means for us to step out in bold faith, believing that God will do what he says he wants to do through us as we take the steps to do it. And so let's be people who understand there are some with a heavy anointing of evangelism, and there are others of us who it's kind of, it takes some work and it takes a little bit more faith. But all of us as followers of Christ are called into the work of evangelism. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 20, which is a passage we've read quite frequently. But it talks to us about what it means to step into the work that God has called us to in this framework of evangelism. Therefore, 
If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. So already we're beginning to see what it means for us to be saved. We're beginning to see the power and the glory of what it means to partake in the work of evangelism. All of us who are in Christ have experienced this reality of being a new creation. We are not talking about convincing people of something. We are not talking about winning a debate. We are talking about God radically shifting the lives of people by encountering them with his transforming love so that we become new creations. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So not only are we stepping into reconciliation with God, we're back in relationship with the Father because of the work of Christ. Not only is that true, he has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. So what does it mean for us to be reconciled to God? It means that as we were in that process, God approached us with his unending kindness and his love and his eternal grace through the work of Jesus. And he's not counting people's sins against them. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to remind us of God's great and eternal love for us. God is not sitting in heaven keeping a record of our wrongs, but because of the work of Christ, the slate has been wiped clean and you and I are in, in, in oneness with God. And as we embark upon the work of being messengers of his reconciliation, we demonstrate that truth to the world around us. The world doesn't need more Christians telling them what they're doing wrong. The world is crying out for a deep revelation of the, an ending love of God for them. Right? I mean, I've experienced this so often in my life. My, my, my tendency to just like notice things that, that are broken and call them out for being broken as opposed to seeing what God sees in those things and calling out the beauty of the reconciliation that's taking place in their life, of calling out the destiny and dreams that God has for people and things and places. That's what it means for me to be an ambassador of reconciliation. You don't make someone, you don't become an ambassador of reconciliation by going out and policing the world. You go out and you become an ambassador of reconciliation by reminding the world what God is like. And he has placed that knowledge inside of us experientially. He's allowed us to experience the goodness of his love by not counting our sins against us. And we do the same as we go out as ambassadors of his reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God could have done all of this work himself, but he has chosen for some reason to use his church to dispense his great love. And as we embark upon the journey of evangelism, we are the ones who carry out his love. And if this second Corinthians passage isn't enough for you, look at what Jesus says in John chapter 20. And with that, he, Jesus, breathed on them, his disciples, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I, I don't pretend to have any theological understanding of what Jesus is about to say right here. If you forgive anyone's sins, 
their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. There is something eternally and supernaturally powerful about what God does in and through us as we encounter people. The love of God is revealed through us as we demonstrate the unconditional love that God has shown us in our interactions with other people. And this doesn't fit my theological nice construct where it's like, okay, if somebody wants to be saved, they say yes to Jesus and hear the things that they believe and they step into a relationship with God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, this is Jesus saying something that totally throws a lot of that to the side. And he says, if you forgive someone's sins, their sins are forgiven. There is something supernaturally powerful in the way you love other people. There is something revelatory about how you interact with others that shows them God's heart for them. And you and I, as we step into the work of evangelism, are tasked, are commissioned with the opportunity to reveal God's heart to other people. Every encounter we have is an opportunity to reveal the goodness of God in the heart of the Father. Every encounter we have is an opportunity to reveal the goodness of God and the heart of the Father. We can go as the church throughout the world policing it and telling everyone how we think they should live. We could go about the work of making legislation that prevents people from behaving one way and and requires people to behave another way. But none of those things are radical life change. And that is what God is after. God is not after an altered moral state of a person, an individual, a country, a nation, or a world. God is after the hearts and souls of his children. God is after the people he so dearly and desperately loves and wants to be in relationship with to the point where he sent his only son to make it possible. So when you and I think about the power of evangelism, we need to throw aside the concept that it is up to us to go and convince the world of anything. Because what God has empowered us to do is carry with us his very presence and reveal it to the world in our every interaction. This reminds us of what we've talked about throughout this entire series. As we've talked about every single one of these gifts, we've acknowledged that they are spiritual gifts. They don't happen by our own initiative. They don't happen by our own strength. But in order for us to step into the fullness of what it means to live into the gift of evangelism, it requires us to be people who are full of the Holy Spirit. Because evangelism isn't about you. Evangelism is about God's power and work through you. And there's this beautiful reality that he chooses to use us. But the power of evangelism is found in intimacy with God. And so he's calling us to himself so that we might experience him in a deep way so that we can reveal that experience to other people. Evangelism is not primarily an encounter with a set of facts, but an encounter with heaven. And that's what God is doing in us. That's why God cares so much about you. That's why God sent Jesus. Because there were a lot of people who for thousands of years tried really hard to follow all the rules and know all the facts. And every single time they fell short. And so God chose to see fit to send his son to die for us as the final and ultimate sacrifice that we might be in relationship with him again. And that's what it means for us to be 
ambassadors of reconciliation because we're not giving people an encounter with a set of facts, but an encounter with heaven. When I was in high school, I went to Miami on a mission trip with our student choir. So there were like 120 of us, like white kids who went to Miami and we went and sang songs at Spanish churches. And so we learned a couple songs in Spanish and I was the white kid who knew the most Spanish because I had like a year and a half by that point of Spanish in high school. So we know the limited experience I had with the Spanish language. And, but they were like, hey, you know the most Spanish. Why don't you give your testimony in Espanol? And so I said, that sounds like a great idea. And because like, I, I didn't feel like I had a grasp of the language, I didn't feel like I knew it as well as I should to be able to communicate clearly and adequately, adequately even in English sometimes, I went and I like wrote it down. And after we sing, um, Cambia mi corazón, hazlo fiel a ti. We sang our Spanish song and they're like, all right, Cole, esta tiempo. So I was like, all right. And I got up there and I read my little Spanish testimony and then I was done. And you know, like that honors God's heart and that's really great. And I think, you know, God was smiling as much as anybody else about that whole situation and, and I think it's, it's wonderful, but that was a starting place. Like if I really want to have an effective ministry to Spanish people, I got to move beyond being able to just like kind of write something out and read it. And I think the same is true in evangelism. So many of us feel ill-equipped and because we feel ill-equipped, we don't know the words to say, or we don't have the language, or we, or we don't know necessarily how to go about doing all of it. Or some of us have fingers that shake when we approach strangers, right? And so what we do is we try to create a framework. We try to create a structure that makes us feel okay. And in doing that, we create something that's built on our own expectations and something that's built on our own ability and something that's built on what we can control. But true and powerful evangelism is far beyond what you and I can do and what you and I can control. And I think that's what God is calling us to. And I, I think there's something really honorable about just going out and doing what you can. There's something that God like smiles about when we kind of do the most elementary of things because we have a good heart about it. But for us, when we look at the grand picture of evangelism, that concept is only the beginning. Going out and handing someone a piece of paper that has facts on it is only a starting place. It is not a destination. The fullness of evangelism comes when you and I are full of the Holy Spirit and are able to step into supernatural ministry empowered by God. And we do that in three kind of supernatural ways. Tonight I want to talk about, tonight I want to talk about three supernatural roots of evangelism. Tonight, we will probably talk about one of those because that's what happened in the first gathering. So the three supernatural roots of evangelism are supernatural speech, supernatural culture, and supernatural signs. And as we look at the framework in the New Testament for what it means for people to step into evangelism, we see evangelism accompanied by at least one of these three things in, as far as I can find, every case the supernatural activity and ministry of the Holy Spirit in and through people leading to an opportunity for evangelism. And that is the bigness, that is the fullness of what it means to step into this gift of evangelism. And so tonight, I'll just say now, we're only gonna talk about supernatural speech. Next week is Easter. And then the week after that, we'll pick back up talking about supernatural culture and supernatural signs. So as we talk about supernatural speech tonight, let's start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
verse 18, which says this, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Again, back in Romans, we read that same thing. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And we see that reiterated here. The simple message of the cross is the power of God. There's power in the testimony of the cross. There's power in the message of salvation. Simply those words, that reality of what Jesus has done in our behalf contains power. And there is power in those truths. But we move beyond simply recognizing the power that's contained in the gospel, the good news of Jesus. When we look at verses like 1 Corinthians 2, 4, this is Paul writing to the people in Corinth and he says this, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So what do we see here? Paul loves wisdom. Paul loves talking. He loves writing. He loves words. We see that all throughout the the New Testament. God loves wisdom. He's all for wisdom. What Paul is not saying here is throw wisdom out the door. What Paul is not saying here is don't worry about the words you say. We recognize and acknowledge that words are very important. But what is the message of this passage? The message of this passage is that The demonstration of the Spirit's power is ultimately the thing that leads us into a real and thriving relationship with God. Because if Paul were to come to these people, Paul's eloquence probably would allow uh, allow him to convince them of something. I know that there are a lot of situations that I can go into and probably convince people of anything, which is why I will never be selected for jury duty. Because whatever I think is probably going to be what we walk out having decided about this person's fate. And that's not good. All right. So anyway, uh, with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So what Paul is saying is, hey, move beyond the words I'm saying. I want you to have a, a deep encounter, a deep faith. Because if I were to convince you of what I'm trying to convince you of, your faith would rest on human wisdom. But I don't want your faith to rest on human wisdom. I'm going to give you a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith will be rested on and founded in God's power. And that's what it means for us to have supernatural speech. We go beyond the ability for us, our own ability to convince. We go beyond our own ability to debate. And we move into the realm of a demonstration of the Spirit's power. I was at this event several years ago, it was called the God Debate, and there was a famous atheist and a famous Christian, and they debated back and forth, bicker, 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 and everybody who walked in there believing in God walked out believing in God, everybody who walked in there not believing in God walked out not believing in God, and honestly, I think the most powerful moment of the entire thing is when the Christian started talking about his personal experience with encountering the Lord in a very real way. Because there were facts and facts and facts from both sides and everybody could speak really well and convince everybody in the auditorium to believe their point of view. And it was at the moment where God broke through in a way that encountered people beyond what a human, beyond what human eloquence could do. And we understood a deeper truth in that encounter through that man's testimony. I think that's what God calls us to in this concept of supernatural speech. In Acts chapter 4 verse 8, it just starts out like this. Peter's about to get up and talk to a group of people. And it starts out saying, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Peter's getting up to give a message. 
Peter's giving up to talk about how he's being accused for having just healed someone. But what we acknowledge in this passage is that Peter, when he got up to speak, wasn't walking up thinking, okay, how can I really make this go well for me? Or how can I really persuade these people of something I think they should believe? Rather, Peter was conscious of and, and, uh, and working toward and centering himself around the infilling of the Holy Spirit, recognizing that whatever the Holy Spirit would say through him is far more powerful than whatever he could contrive on his own. And so you and I, in order to speak with supernatural speech, are people who must be in deep and intimate relationship with God so that we can step into the fullness of the things he wants to say in and through us. As we were at Lake Eola this afternoon doing the Letters of Love event, and I just kind of would go and talk to people um, kind of from our church who were there taking part in it. And one of the things I said is, hey, we've been talking a lot about prophecy over the last several weeks. In our Wednesday night gatherings, we've been practicing that. And when you sit down with a piece of paper and a pen, don't just start writing things that you think are a good idea. This is a perfect opportunity, a perfect moment for us to practice the prophetic. Take that pen and take that piece of paper and just sit there for a moment and ask, God, is there anything that you want to say through me to whoever's going to get this piece of paper? We didn't know who was going to get the piece of paper. We put them in a basket and we just went and, and kind of at, at random distributed them. But God, I think, has enough ability to know all the events that will transpire from the moment I put that piece of, that pen on that piece of paper and then it gets tied up and it gets put in a basket and it gets distributed to somebody to, to make sure whatever he wants to say to that person who's going to get it will get the message that he wants to send them. And it was a perfect opportunity for us to say, okay, stop trying to achieve the objective. Stop trying to do the assignment. And instead, slow down and listen. And perhaps God wants to communicate something deep and powerful through you. Supernatural evangelism means becoming the voice of the Father speaking to his children. Right? Supernatural evangelism means becoming the voice of the Father speaking to his children. We're about to watch a clip from a documentary called Father of Lights. And I want you to look for this idea as we, uh, as we do, as we watch this clip. It's about four minutes long. And look for the moment where the, the people who are, who are ministering in this clip go from just doing what they kind of know to do as they approach people and begin listening to the Holy Spirit. And when they start I'm not saying they weren't listening to the Holy Spirit before, but there are specific things in this clip that reveal, hey, God is saying this and I'm gonna follow this road and see where it takes me. And then watch what happens in the heart of the person that they're talking to as we watch this clip. So look out for them listening for the voice of God and following his direction. Let me set the scene. You are sitting in a room with three of the more notorious members of the Chicago Latin Kings, which is one of the largest gangs in America. This one, Sam, is actually a general in the Kings, a major leader in the Chicago chapter. This meeting took two months of planning with Robbie Dawkins and our friend Todd White. There were rumors of war starting in Chicago between rival gangs, and this meeting was set up to try and stop it. It didn't take long to see these guys were no joke. 
I think that's some punk when you send a little kid here and not go do it yourself. Me, when I was out here in this one, I go do my own shooting. I won't tell me he's a gun or go send him, come here, let's go do I go, yeah. where's the pistols at? Whoever wants to come, you can come, but I'm going to go smoke these yeah. up. I ain't got a problem with it. Yeah. And I just do shootings all the time by myself. All yeah. through these neighborhoods. That's what I grew up in. You know, me and myself, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I ain't good. I ain't good. I know that. But I know where my heart lays, you know, and I know that. You know, everybody can change any time, you know. Yeah. It's just whether or not you're willing to do so. I'm willing to make mistakes. I'm willing to do damage, too, you know. Yeah. But maybe God's going to turn that around. Or maybe he's going to say tomorrow, quit your or else, you know. I got a question for you. Yeah. You got a daughter? Yeah, I do. Let me tell you something. Let me just say what the Lord. Let me tell you what the Lord was showing me. Just said I, I felt like it was one of your daughters you were kind of going through a tough time with, and it was really you were really worried, and that there was just some just difficult things that were happening. But I just felt like the Lord was just saying that how you feel about her is how He feels about you, and how He cares about you. But also, He's got your daughter's back, and there's a big turning coming for her. One of my daughters getting out of prison in a couple of weeks. Mm. She was a bad heroin addict. And my daughter, with us, with my wife now, ex-wife, told me that I was dead to her. She didn't want nothing to do with me no more and stuff like that. Mm. And that's been weighing on my heart a lot. But, you know, like me, I said, I grew, up in, I grew up without a father. And, you know, I have to be as tough just like she's being tough with me. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus, God. Right now, you would just completely just rock his heart in such a way where you reveal how much you love him, God. And I also thank you for, God, for his daughter, the one that's getting out. Yes. I don't know what her name is. What's her name? Samantha. Samantha. Mm-hmm. God, I thank you for, for Samantha. Because, like, when you said she was getting out, and what I saw was, what I, was I, first of all, I saw a dancer. I don't know. I saw, like, her being involved in dance. I saw her, like, dancing as a little kid, just, like, being free, just dancing and twirling around. Like, uh, I don't know if she took ballet or something when she was little, but I just saw her dancing and being really free. She was a dance instructor in prison. Yeah, that's crazy. But, like, I, I saw her actually having her own dance school and actually, like, bringing people into the realization of who they really are through dance, through prophetic dance. It's crazy, man. But I, but I saw her, and that's her real passion. Later, as the guys prayed for another friend of theirs who had come, Robbie offered her the opportunity to join in a relationship with God. We could pray with you, and you could just repeat after me if you'd like. Jesus, I come to you, and I just give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my past. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Rule in me. I thank you for your presence. And I thank you for offering me new life. And I accept your forgiveness and your new life. In Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I receive your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Sam, I heard you praying, bro. It's the right thing, bro. 
the right thing. I'm going to tell you guys something. This, today, this will change this city. This will change the city. That's why we're here. So there's this moment where it goes from just like some people sitting in a room. And that guy says, I heard God saying something about your daughter. Do you have a daughter? And I, I want you to know that the way you love her is the way God loves you. And then later, Todd, in praying with the guy, he says, I just saw her dancing. I don't know if she was spinning. And he got to speak prophetically about that. And did you see like when they started talking about his daughter, he went just from this like hardened, like concrete hearted guy. And then he just started talking and he even couldn't stop talking. He started talking about how his ex-wife doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And he started opening up about how his father wasn't around and he has to be hard and he has to um, kind of put up a front. And then when they start praying for him, there's just this openness. Because they were willing to listen to what God was saying in the moment. Because God knew the heart of that guy. God knew what he was doing in that person. God knows what he's doing in the hearts of the people that we encounter on a regular basis. And so when we step into moments of having conversations with people about who God is and what he's doing, it's essential that we step in listening to God's voice. Because God is already aware of how he's working in their life. There isn't a person on the face of the planet that God isn't working on. And we step into the fullness of the things that he's called us to in commissioning us as ambassadors of reconciliation when we join him in what he's doing. And so we step into a new level of effectiveness in evangelism as we listen to the heart of the Father. And in those moments, we have supernatural speech Because Jesus isn't looking for converts. He's looking for his children. And I think so many of us think about it in the context of like, how many people can we get to believe what we believe and think how I think and to check the box? But God's primary goal and agenda is to say, there are so many children on this planet that I love, that I created, that I have a plan for, that I have a purpose for, that I want to be in relationship with again. And when we understand this truth, it completely changes our motivation for and expectation of what happens when we practice the gift of evangelism. We step into the fullness of this gift, not because we're trying to convince someone of something, because, but, but, but because we, we recognize that we're helping lost children who are so desperately longing to be loved to step back into the love that's the only love that can satisfy what they're looking for. And so we step into this beautiful work with God as we step into evangelism that's built on supernatural speech, recognizing what he's saying and becoming the voice of the Father to children who are longing for him. We'll close with this. The key to supernatural evangelism is intimacy with the Father in listening to his voice in every moment. All of this requires that you and I don't just come in this room and hear these good ideas. It requires that we are people who are in an intimate relationship 
with the Father who recognize his voice, who know what he's saying, who are willing to say yes to him, who are full of the boldness and bravery to go beyond what we feel comfortable with and to step into the fullness of what the Father is saying and participating with him in every moment. And so I just wanna encourage you tonight as we think about evangelism, to think about these three things. One, what is my relationship with God like and do I know his voice? Two, am I willing to go beyond what I can accomplish on my own and step out and risk? And three, am I caring about people as much as God cares about them? Because when our agenda is to love people like God loves them, all of our fears just like are dwarfed in light of that truth. So I want, um, I want us to just close our eyes for a moment. And God, I want to ask that you would give us a picture. Give us a very clear picture of what it looks like for us to step into being ambassadors of reconciliation. God, just stoke up in us that vision of what it looks like for us to encounter a stranger and to to know what it is that you have stored up for them and to be able to give them the gift of revealing that. God, I pray for first each of us to experience a fresh dose of your intense love for us. That all of this would start there. Being loved. Being loved fully. And then God, I I pray for a new level of boldness in, in us. God, that we wouldn't be shaky people, but that we would just have that confidence that comes from knowing that we're loved by you. And in that love, we can step into anything. As we hear your voice, we can trust that you're good, that you know what you're doing. So help us be bold people.